podcast. It's episode 33. I'm your host with the most, Sam Thoman, joined as usual <laughs> by Zach Follador. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Sam. Trying to stay warm here out in Pittsburgh. I know uh, we were talking before we started recording here a couple minutes ago, some big news out of Indy here today with, uh, with Carson Wentz going to the Colts. Yeah, I, I haven't had a lot of time to process it. It's been, what, not even an hour since that news dropped. So yeah. I think it'll take some time to divulge that news. But Zach, I'm going to be honest. I'm surprised we have a lot of news to talk about, despite it really being like kind of a like transition period. Yeah, for sure. A lot, uh, a lot that went on here in, in the Mac this week. So, um, yeah, I agree, Sam. Let's let's dive right into it. This uh... first up here, you know, we were talking last week about uh, we don't know how the Mac is going to reschedule all of these, you know, canceled games or postponed games, I should say. And uh, they they did come out here uh, just yesterday on Wednesday, the seventeenth. They announced um, that a bunch of games uh, on the men's side that had been uh, postponed earlier in the season are being rescheduled here over the coming weeks. So um, we, we won't run through all of the games here that have been rescheduled. There's, there's 10 of them in total that have been postponed from anywhere from like January 2nd, all the way up to as recently as like the end of January, beginning of February. So, you know, we were talking about it, Sam, last week that, you know, these schedules are going to be really compacted here over the next couple of weeks uh, on the women's side of things. They actually got, um, Kent State and Northern Illinois playing back-to-back days uh, this weekend on Saturday and Sunday, which we'll talk a little bit more uh, later in in the uh, in the episode here. That's not something I've ever seen done in college basketball. Uh, both games are, in that case are going to be in DeKalb, and Kent State will just be designated as the home team for one of them. So seems like maybe the Golden Flash has got the short end of the stick there, but again, you know, um, the circumstances call for some crazy things to happen right now. So 10 men's games that have been uh, postponed from earlier in the season have been being rescheduled. And Sam, this is going to be really interesting here over the next couple of weeks with so many games packed into such little time. Yeah, I, I think we kind of talked about this last last week, last episode, and how they were basically going to have to do a basically close to an every other day kind of game schedule because like one of the examples would be like Ohio – Tuesday, February 23rd, they're at home at uh, home against Akron. And then literally two days later, they're at home against Eastern Michigan. So it's just yeah. a case where we talked about it was going to have to be either two or three days where there's going to have to be a game or they're basically going to have to be canceled because there's not a whole lot of time left. You still need at least a couple of days to prepare, or if not, you're basically yeah. destroying the, organ- the, the universities. So it was, it was basically hectic to figure out, but that was basically the only best case scenario on how to schedule these games. Yeah, it's so true. You're right. I, I think, you know, the, the conference's hands are kind of tied here. Not, not, I mean, it's just a, it's a math equation, right? There's only so much time before the conference tournaments are starting on March 10th here. So you got three weeks to try and get in as many of these games as you can. And they're doing the best they can to do it. So I, I um, you know, I applaud uh, the, the, you know, the conference for, uh, for figuring this all out because it certainly hasn't been easy. And, and this kind of ties into uh, to the next thing that we were uh, planning to talk about here, Sam, is uh, you and I uh, saw on Twitter the other day um, that the Mac has announced that this is the first time I had seen this. I don't know if you had maybe seen this somewhere else, Sam, but the Mac did announce that uh, as far as the conference tournament goes, every team is, you know, to be eligible for the conference tournament, you got to play 10 conference games in the Mac. So it looks like every team is going to get across that threshold unless some additional games get canceled or whatever the case may be. But uh, that was an interesting distinction that I hadn't seen made before, Sam. Yeah, and I think what's interesting about the schedule game is even we'll talk about this later, how Akron and Toledo kind of um, are, are clinched their spot in the Mac tourney. But all these games impact seeding because when you look yeah. at Ohio and Buffalo, they're both seven and four. You have Ball State and Central Michigan playing. Western Michigan outside of the tourney looking in. Ball State barely clinging on to that eight seed by two games. So every game's going to matter. And they scheduled that game on February 21st. So that game's going to be huge. And I think um, any game that they reschedule is very important for seeding. So teams got to figure out, does this game matter? What team do they really want to play in the MAC tourney? Or are they just going to say, hey, we can beat anybody and just just take our wins and our losses? Yeah, you're right. It's it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for, for a lot of different reasons. I'm, I'm curious to see how this condensed schedule 
plays out. And I'm also curious to see, um, again, it's, you know, we'll see if there's any additional games get uh, postponed as far as hitting that, you know, 10 game threshold. Um, it looks like, you know, on the women's side, every, everyone is, is there now, you know, even, you know, Kent state and Eastern Michigan, they had a bunch of games postponed, but they both recently played their 10th conference game. So they're both sitting at six and four. They're both eligible for the tournament. And it looks, you know, if this tournament started today, they'd be sitting at seventh and eighth. So they look to be safe on the men's side of things. Uh, Northern Illinois and Eastern Michigan are the only teams that aren't at that 10 game mark. Uh, Eastern Michigan at one and seven, Northern Illinois at one and eight. Uh, they both have had a number of games rescheduled here over, over the next couple of weeks. So unless anything else crazy happens there, it looks like they'll both get there as well. Uh, but yeah, just, you know, add this to the list of crazy things that's happened this year in sports. And, uh, you know, someday we'll look back on this and, and, and realize how how kind of unique it was. But, uh, yeah, it's it's certainly been uh, an, an up and down year. And, and you know, a lot of curveballs have been thrown our way in the way of the conference and these teams. So, um, you know, I commend them for, for kind of being light on their feet here. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be interesting to see how these teams approach these last couple of weeks of the regular season. And Zach, before we move on to some kind of preseason uh, baseball talk, we, we've got one more thing. Arshlon Brown kind of got a unique achievement that we don't really see every day. Yeah, um, a big shout out to Arshlon Brown here of Ball State. The senior there uh, became only the second player in Ball State women's basketball history to score 1,000 points and grab 1,000 rebounds. Uh, she grabbed her, re her 1,000th rebound uh, this past Saturday in the Cardinals victory over Miami. Uh, she finished that day, had, had herself a heck of a day while also breaking this milestone, 28 points and 10 rebounds, her 43rd career double-double. Again, only the second player in Ball State's women basketball history to, uh, to, to break this uh, barrier of 1,000 points and 1,000 rebounds. Big shout out to her. She's been a productive player for them for, for you know, four years now. She's been really good, uh, you know, kind of a pillar of the program. And uh, you love to see her kind of go out like this on a high note. I mean, Zach, we, we, we talk a lot about 1K points. We've, we've talked about plenty this season. We've talked about Justin Turner lead, leading Bowling Green and scoring in their um, uh, program history. We, we talk in, in a, and I'm sure there's quite a few people who get 1K rebound, but to put them together, not only 1K points and 1K rebounds separate, yeah. but to put them together. So not only can you rebound, you can score. I think that that's just equally impressive. I think even more impressive than I would say 2K points. I don't, I don't know if you're there with me, but I think having two 1,000 point category, uh, two 1,000, I don't even know what you would call it, point. It's not really point categories, but like, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, these are, yes, yes. I mean, it's two major, major milestones. And I think, you know, I've said this on previous week's shows when we, you know, we talked about, you mentioned Justin Turner, uh, Daquan Plowden, CC Hooks, uh, who, you know, who broke the, the 2000 point um, barrier at Ohio. The thing that impresses me about players that are able to do this is that in order to get to a barrier like this with what Ashlyn Brown did at Ball State, it's, it's not just about being productive. It's being, it's about being productive over an extended period mm -hmm. of time, you know, with, with her, I mean, you go all the way back to her freshman season at ball state, you know, she was averaging 7.6 rebounds a game as a freshman in the last two years, 9.4 and 9.8 rebounds a game. So you, you don't get to a thousand rebounds without starting and playing well as a freshman. So I think the longevity of it, of, of her productivity is what kind of impresses me the most here. Um, and, you know, it's one, it's one of those things where whenever you have a player that's this good for this long and this consistent, you know, losing someone like that is, is really a blow to the program. So, you know, she leaves some, uh, some big shoes to fill for the Cardinals next year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think what's impressive, like you said, is being able to do stuff as a freshman because in order to get 1,000 points or 1,000 rebounds, you're generally going to have to do it in four years. If not, you have a crazy three seasons. So be yeah. able to, to come in as a freshman, whether you're Justin Turner or CC Hooks or Ashlyn Brown, and to do what you did is just frankly impressive. And a lot of people really get redshirted that freshman, but they saw the talent to know you could play right away at a really high level and you just run off her numbers. So I won't repeat them, but it just shows how amazing those numbers and but Zach, uh, enough of basketball talk before we talk, talk, go in our little game recaps. We've got so, we got baseball season just around the corner. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, you think of, you know, February. I know most people that follow professional baseball, you're not used to opening day happening until 
uh, what later at the end of end of March, early April, whatever the case may be. But uh, the college baseball season is actually uh, here. Uh, the the college baseball season. Let, let me let me put a caveat to that. The college baseball season is supposed to start this weekend. Uh, there's a, a couple you know number of MAC teams that have their first games scheduled here this weekend. Obviously, with how crazy the weather has been across the country uh, over these last couple of days, I'm sure you've seen the videos of it, you know, snowing down in Texas at the Mexican border and stuff like that. I don't know how many of these games are going to get played, but there are some 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 quality matchups uh, on the docket that are supposed to happen this weekend. Um, preseason Mac favorite Central Michigan is scheduled to go down to Texas and have a, a three game series with Stephen F. Austin. Uh, Kent State is another team picked towards the top of the conference. They're supposed to go down to Blacksburg and take on Virginia Tech. Northern Illinois is supposed to go down to Memphis and take on the Tigers. And then your Cardinals, uh, Sam Ball State, heading out west to Tucson to take on um, perennial Pac-12 contender Arizona. That's one series right there that I actually think might actually, you know, might get played because Arizona, especially Southern Arizona, hasn't been quite as affected as the rest of the country here, whether Otherwise, uh, but, you know, we were looking up weather maps here before we started recording today, you know, down in Memphis, the high over the next couple of days is in like the high 20s, low 30s. Uh, Virginia is no, no better uh, to even Texas. You know, I mentioned they're, they're getting snow down in Texas. They don't even have power in a lot of Texas right now. So I would imagine a lot of these games are going to get postponed. But for college baseball fans, nonetheless, I think they're probably excited that uh, the baseball season is here. Yeah, I agree. And I think the season has just like. We like you might as well prepare as the games um, being played until it gets canceled, because there's no point in just assuming it's going to get canceled unless it does. I think to your point, it, it, there is a high likelihood that some of these, if not most of these games are being canceled. But anyway, if if you are a Mac baseball fan, the season is right around the corner. So you have even if these games are canceled, you still have a whole season to look forward to. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, with with everything uh, with the season here, um, the, the Mac did announce their uh, their preseason coaches poll or I, I should say um, preseason uh, you know, conference poll uh, the other day. As I mentioned, Central Michigan is picked to win the conference. Uh, they got one hundred nine votes there. Central Michigan at one Kent State at two Ball State at three Miami at four. Certainly four competitive programs here at the top of the conference, Sam. I'm also I'm, I'm very curious this year. Uh, the, the 10th and 11th teams here in, in the poll, Bowling Green at 10, Akron at 11. Bowling Green, their program was, was temporarily suspended, um, you know, back in, in the summer uh, before some donations came in from alumni to get them back on their feet. So I'm sure Falcons fans are excited to watch them. And then Akron playing their first baseball season in a couple of years after their program got suspended. I want to say back in 2016, if I'm not mistaken, 2015, 2016, somewhere in that ballpark. So curious to see how the Falcons and the Zips uh, acquit themselves this year on the diamond. But again, at the top of the conference, really going to be looking forward to see how Central Michigan, Kent State and Ball State um, are able to get their season started. Yeah, yeah, I'm there with you. And I, I, I want to put an asterisk like the preseason baseball coaches poll. That doesn't matter anything except for. Like, uh, what is it like when you get motivated by what your opponent says or whatever, like chalkboard? Yeah, like, uh, yeah, um, bulletin, bulletin board, board material. material. Yeah, yeah. That, that's really the only thing it's good for because I think the, the thing we've learned from watching the, the football um, season with Western Michigan, the best of the women's basketball season with Bowling Green, is that these coaches poll and these media polls don't really mean uh, crap, really. Anything can happen. Akron yeah. could suddenly shoot up to fifth for all we know. So at the end of the day, it's just a preseason poll. I like, I, yeah. I don't feel like there's too much reason to pay too much attention to it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you, Sam. I, I, you know, there's, they don't mean anything. They don't mean anything. They're, they're purely, um, you know, subjective and, and circumstantial. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm curious to see how the, the season does play out. One other thing to note here when it comes to baseball and, and, you know, something that might affect the season here. In fact, I, I'm pretty positive it will affect the season here. Mm -hmm. Is that you look at Ohio was picked sixth in the conference, uh, right in the middle. One thing that I'm sure is going to affect their standing, and it's going to be curious to see how they go through this season, is that uh, just two weeks ago, um, Ohio baseball coach Rob Smith did announce his retirement. Curious timing having it happen right before the season is set to start. 
but we'll see how uh, the, the team bounces back from that. Uh, he finishes his career at Ohio with two Mid-American Conference t- tournament championships and two NCAA tournament appearances. And uh, prior to that, Ohio had only made the NCAA tournament twice since 1972 there. So um, his seven years at Ohio leading the baseball program, uh, certainly successful. It's going to be curious to see how uh, the Bobcats are able to kind of rebound this season without him at the helm. Yeah, what's interesting is looking at the picture of the article that the Get Some Action has is him winning a tournament championship in just 2017. So yeah. not too long ago. And as I'm reading his statement of how he kind of navigated this decision, and it seems like he he probably told Ohio officials that he was potentially considering this. So hopefully Ohio kind of prepared for this just in case he did. Yeah. But who knows because – I think like we've seen any head coach that leaves, it's not necessarily it's most times it doesn't turn out for the best until a couple years down the road. Yeah. I think this puts the program in a tough spot when it comes to recruiting, right? Because you have a coach that leaves right before the season, which means that coach. And if you have an as anyone on the staff so you don't really have anyone going out and recruiting for the program any previous recruits who likely they might open their commitment and look elsewhere now so it kind of leaves a void there so you're right I think it might lead to a few lean years for the Bobcats hopefully um, like you said hopefully they were kind of preparing for this and kind of had an idea that it might be coming and you know hopefully they can get someone in there with with a good reputation to help kind of build the program back up to get back to another mid-american commerce championship yeah because i i think there's some programs that kind of have this in place where there's kind of like a backup coach in case the coach does does decide to retire kind of like a head coach in waiting so maybe this is the case there and he knew he wanted to retire a couple of years yeah. ago and just wanted to wait for the right time kind of covid's kind of the right time to do it if you're going to do it so yeah yeah like I, it, it makes sense if, if he wants to do it and they have the right people in place. So we'll just have to see how the Ohio Bobcats baseball team turns out. Yeah, you're right. And uh, one final note here, associate, former associate head coach Craig Moore has been named the interim coach for this season. He has been on the staff there for nine years at OU. So if things go well this season. Wouldn't be surprised to just see him given the job permanently. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Zach, before we kick it back over to basketball, we've got a final softball story to talk about. Yeah. So um, much like baseball, uh, softball season has gotten started here over the last few weeks, but only for a few teams here in the MAC. There's been a ton of games uh, that have been canceled, postponed, et cetera. And, uh, you know, I think at any time, you know, most of the country right now is under snow and, you know, freezing conditions. So it's hard to play outdoor sports in, in those conditions, especially, you know, in the region where, where our Mac schools are. Uh, but thus far, um, Bowling Green, Western Michigan and Miami are the only three teams that have started their softball seasons thus far. And um, Bowling Green pitcher Peyton Gottschall has been named the Wilson NFCA National Pitcher of the Week. Um, which was announced just uh, the other day on Tuesday. Um, Gotchall was, I mean, to say she was dominant this, you know, to, to start the season for the Falcons would be an understatement. I mean, three appearances thus far, three and O record hasn't give up, given up a single run, an ERA of 0.00 and just five hits in 21 and one third innings of work opponent batting average in those 21 and one third innings. I mean, if that's not domination, I don't know what is. Three appearances, she struck out 51 and did not walk a single batter. That is unbelievable to me. So I, you know, I I don't know what else needs to be said. I think she certainly deserved the award for this week. Yeah, and it's, I I think it's always nice that they win like, Mac Conference Player of the Year, Mac Conference Pitcher of the Week. The weekly awards in the conference are nice. Obviously, you want recognition. But when you get uh, recognition on a a kind of, um, I want to say nationwide kind of thing from the NFCA, if you're not familiar with it, it's the National Fast Pitch Coaches Association. So if you're getting noticed like that, that's a big deal because Honestly, it's, it's like I said, it's nice to be recognized by the conference, but I think it's a way bigger deal 
like a um, like we saw, I believe it was CC Hooks who earlier in the season got named to one of the NCAA like players of the yeah. week sort yeah. of thing. So it's always nice to be recognized in our conference, but for her to be uh, named a player of the week on the national wide scale is is pretty big. It it really is. And again, let me just I, I just want to read one other thing here just to really emphasize how unbelievable uh, her performance was to start the season. So Bowling Green, they opened their season. They had a three-game series, or I'm sorry, a four-game series against Cleveland State. On Friday in the first game, she had a one-hit shutout. She struck out 20 batters in a seven-inning game. 20 out of 22 batters she faced, she struck out. 20 out of 22 batters she struck out. Then the next day on Saturday, she threw a perfect game and struck out 16 of the 22 batters she faced, or 21 batters, excuse me just the second perfect game in school history. So she starts the season with a one hit shutout with 20 strikeouts. She follows that up with a perfect game the very next day. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it it really is. I I can't emphasize enough how amazing it is, but Zach, before we turn it over to the hardwood, is there any, any final stuff, any final thing you want to talk about? No, I don't think so, man. Let's uh, let's get to some hoops talk. So we, we've got some kind of basketball news that we didn't touch on in the um, general news. We have a couple of teams for both the men and women clinching the uh, spots for the Mac tourney. Yeah. So as we've talked about uh, in, in previous weeks here, Sam, uh, and for anyone that, that maybe had missed previous episodes, the, the Mac is doing the conference tournament differently this year where only eight teams are going to get invited on both sides. So these, these, you know, conference tournament spots are, are not quite, you know, they're not, they're not a given this year for any team. So um, teams are going to have to earn their way into the tournament. We have had two teams on both sides of the fence that have clinched their spots thus far. Um, obviously, you know, without surprise on, in both, you know, on both sides, it's the teams that are in first and second place right now on the men's side, you got Toledo and Akron uh, Toledo sitting at 12 and three currently Akron in second at 11 and three. And then on the, uh, on the women's side, you got Bowling Green at 12 and three and Central Michigan at 11 and five that have both clinched. So um, again, these obviously more teams are going to clinch here over the next few weeks as we get closer to the conference tournament. But um, I, you know, to be honest with you, Sam, I I don't see a ton of drama happening within like looking at like, who's going to get the eight seed, the seven, eight seed. You think maybe in most situations, the teams that are in ninth and 10th might be able to sneak up and catch the teams that are in seventh and eighth. You know, on the women's side of the fence, Kent State's sitting at six and four in eighth place. Toledo's in ninth at five and ten. So they're three and a half games back from uh, from the Golden Flashes. I guess on the men's side, there there might be a possibility there. Ball State and Miami are tied uh, for at five and seven uh, for the seven and eight seed. Western Michigan sitting behind them at three and nine. Central Michigan at two and nine. So I guess on the men's side, I could see you know, if, if Western Michigan get, get, can get hot and win a few games, they could catch one of these two teams. I don't know how likely that is, though. I, I think it's just how funny how just a couple of weeks ago we were talking about Kent State being, what was it, 5-0, and 5-1, oh, and, and now they're yeah. sitting at 6-4. So it just shows you how just a big sample size really shows you how good a team is and maybe is due to the big break in between the, the halves and they, they just kind of slowly fell apart from there. But I think this kind of truly shows the Kent State team kind of is. They weren't going to be the first or second seed. I mean, we, we've seen that so far during their return. And I think it's just like interesting how they fell from basically being the first to the second seed all the way down to the eighth seed. Yeah, you're right. It's It's been a pretty quick drop off for the Golden Flashes. And um, I'm sure Rust played a part of it, but I mean, since they've uh, since they've returned from their you know their three week hiatus due to COVID, um, they're they're sitting at two and four, and their only two wins uh, have been a two point win versus Miami Ohio, who's two and fourteen in the conference, and then a six point win against Toledo, who's uh, who's five and ten. Um, so other than that, you know they've lost to Bowling Green uh, just the other day. They uh, they lost to Western Michigan, who's now three and twelve in the conference. So. Um, again, I'm sure rust has played a factor, but you're right. It seems that before they went on hiatus due to the COVID issues, they might've been playing above their head a little bit. Yeah, I agree. And this kind of segues into one of the games or kind of two of the games 
They had kind of two disappointing losses, one a 13-point loss to Central Michigan, which I'm not sure a lot of people are surprised for. But then a game against Western Michigan, they lost by double digits as well. Yeah, I think the in, prior to the Western Michigan game, if I was a Kent State fan, I, I think I wasn't – I don't think I was hitting the, the panic button just yet right they had one two they you know they their first game back they lost to ohio which you know losing at ohio that's a tough place to play right the 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 bobcats are 10 and 5 in the conference so you can forgive that then they got back-to-back wins against miami and toledo then they had that tough overtime loss to bowling green no shame there then you go to central michigan and, and lose to central michigan no shame there so you know those are some of the better teams in the conference so i don't know how many people really expected them to win those games this Western Michigan game, though, this is, you know, this is a different story. Western Michigan is a team that coming into this game was uh, was two and 12 in the conference. They, you know, their only wins previous to this game had been against Akron and Miami of Ohio, which just so happened to be the only teams below them at the bottom of the standings. So if you're a Kent State fan, I think going into this game, you expected to win this game. Kent State came out and, uh, you know, they outscored the Broncos 19 to 12 in the first quarter, but then they got outscored 40 to 16 over quarters two and three. And that really just kind of put the game out of reach for the golden flashes. Western Michigan ends up winning this one, 71 to 58. I I think it really comes down to defense and turnovers. Really. You're letting central Michigan shoot 50% from the field. You're letting Western Michigan shoot 45% from the field, which isn't really a great offensive uh, team to begin with. And then not only that, I, you know how much I hate turnovers. I guess yeah. what Western Michigan, they have six more turnovers than Western Michigan, 18, 12. And then they they only have 12 turnovers against Central Michigan, which isn't bad. But when Central Michigan only has his six turnovers and you lose by 13, you kind of add two and two together, and that's your problem. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing with Kent State, you know, in this game specifically, is that they just, I mean, where, where's the offense coming from? I mean, you shoot, you shoot 34.5% from the floor, seven for 25 from three point land, 11 for 24 from the free throw line. Think about that. I mean, you lose this game. I mean, you miss 13 free throws in this game and you lose the game by 13 points. I mean, if you, you know, if if you make 20 of those 24 free throws, all of a sudden this is a two possession game and you have a chance to win. I mean, 11, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. 11 for 24 from, from the free throw line is, is just not, uh, not acceptable uh, at any level of basketball. I don't think uh, Neela Blackford, we, we talked about her last week. She led the way for the golden flashes with, uh, with 14 points. Um, but unfortunately, you know, not, not many other uh, bright spots. Lindsay Thal also had 11 for, uh, for the golden flashes here, but yeah, you know, after this, uh, after this loss and, and earlier in the week, we mentioned Sam, you know, the 84 71 loss to central Michigan, um, you, you, you have to uh, kind of worry and, and wonder about the golden flashes moving forward. It was another, you know, the central Michigan game, much like you were saying, they, they allow central Michigan to shoot 50% from the field, 47.6% from, uh, from three point land. And, you know, if, if you're not, if you're not going to be able to defend consistently or score the ball consistently, you're going to have problems. I, I agree. And kind of on the flip side thing, Central Michigan went from that uh, win to Kent State and had a kind of tough loss against uh, Bowling Green, the leaders in the MAC. Yeah, I tell you what, Sam, Bowling Green just, they just continue to impress. You know, we've talked a lot about it. This is a team that was picked 11th in the conference at the beginning of the year. And after this game, after winning this game against Central Michigan uh, just last night on Wednesday, um, they are firmly in the driver's seat right now. They sit at 12 and three in the conference, their first place. They're a game and a half up on both Central Michigan and Northern Illinois now, 16 and four overall. And uh, Lindsey Fleming, uh, 20 points uh, for the the Falcons in this one to to lead the way, and um, you know, this is you should you allow Central Michigan to shoot fifty one percent from the field, and yet you still win this game seventy six to sixty seven. And I think they do it with rebounding. They out rebound the Chippewas thirty six to twenty seven, and um, you know they force seventeen turnovers in this game. This is a team that just you know they more so than others in this conference. They really just seem to play 
as a team. There's a lot of balance here for the Falcons and for being such a young team, they play with maturity and poise down the stretch. And, you know, in this game against central Michigan, you know, they outscore the, the, the Chippewas 24 to 14 in the third quarter and then, you know, pull away a little bit more in the fourth. So hats off to the Falcons. They have been really, really impressive. The surprise of the year for me uh, on either side of the fence in basketball. Yeah, I mean, they've just rattled off uh, win after win. Eight of the past nine games have been wins for Bowling Green, and that's why they stick at first place. That's why they've clinched a, a spot in the MAC tourney similar to Central Michigan did despite their loss. So sh I, I think a lot of uh, teams can be expecting, if, you, if you're looking at a 1-2 uh, matchup for a possible MAC championship game, I think the Central Michigan game versus Bowling Green is could be one of the games that could – be a match uh, championship uh, tourney game. And I, I think Bowling Green showed that they, they have the edge. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the, the interesting thing about this matchup to me, you know, in this game here, and like you mentioned, a possible, you know, conference tournament championship matchup is the, the, the contrast in styles, right? Central Michigan wants to get up and down the floor. They're second in the conference. In um, they're second in the conference in points per game at 77. Uh, Bowling Green, on the other hand, is second in the conference in scoring defense at 62.8 points per game. They're only you know Bowling Green's you know middle of the pack of uh, of you know, points per game at fifth. Central Michigan not quite so good defensively at ninth in the conference on in points per game. So I think it's that contrast of styles that makes this an interesting matchup. And you know. Um, in, in this instance here, the, you know, the defense of, of Bowling, Bowling Green, excuse me, prevailed. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. I think that's one of their keys to the, to the game. And Zach, with that being said, do you have any other um, women's games you want to talk about before we move on to the men's side? Um, the only other one I wanted to mention here, Sam, is, is another team that's been really hot over the last month. You mentioned Bowling Green winning eight of nine. And uh, Northern Illinois with another impressive victory here uh, over Buffalo, 81 to 75 this past Saturday. Northern Illinois now, they've had a couple games postponed that have been rescheduled. So um, they've only played 12 conference games. Most teams have played 15 or 16, but they're sitting there at, uh, tied for second in the MAC at nine and three right now. And just like Bowling Green, they have now also, they've won nine of 10, have the Huskies. So um, sitting at nine and three in the conference here in this one, though, again, 81-75 at home over Buffalo, held the Bulls to 33.7% from the field, 25.7% from the three-point line. Uh, Shelby Coker had 20 points here. And uh, Aja Davis, 17 points and 19 rebounds for the Huskies. The Huskies are another team, like I mentioned, a young team uh, that seems to be growing up in front of our eyes. Uh, they're sitting currently at third uh, in the conference in points per game at 76. And I've been really impressed with what I've seen from the Huskies here over the last six weeks or so. Yeah, I have too. We, we continually talk about how they're just getting hot at the right time. They've won their last, I believe it is uh, one, two, three, four, five straight. And what's, what's kind of interesting is even – with those five straight wins, they're still basically three wins away from catching Bowling Green. They're both yeah. Bowling Green's in 12 and three in conference, Northern Illinois is nine and three in conference. So it's going to be hard to catch Bowling Green if you're Northern Illinois, but the way you're looking, you're getting on the right track. You've got, you've got back to back games against uh, Kent State with Ohio's game being postponed. And then you've got a Ball State game um, uh, coming up next. So those are three really solid potential wins for Northern Illinois that you kind of need to catch Bowling Green. But I mean, if you're, you're a Huskies fan, I think you really got to be happy with the sec second place um, spot. If you're a um, Huskies fan, because I think similar to Bowling Green, I don't think anybody really truly had Northern Illinois going this high. Yeah, I agree with you. And you bring up an interesting point, Sam, is that saying, you know, you're three games behind uh, Bowling Green in the win pro in the win column. Here's the thing, though. If they can catch Bowling Green, they do have the tiebreaker because the Huskies beat the Falcons in both previous meetings uh, earlier this season. Um, they beat them at Bowling Green, 78-71, uh, and then they beat them in DeKalb, 79-78. So Northern Illinois, actually, despite the fact that they're two games back or a game and a half back in the, in the standings, um, if they can catch Bowling Green, they – 
they have a really legitimate shot to get the one seed here, which is, again, if you would have asked me that six weeks ago, I would have said no way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And and what's interesting is maybe the Ohio game could be the potential decider that got postponed. So we haven't seen any um, news about rescheduling on like in the men's side where they rescheduled a few games. We haven't seen anything on the women's side unless, Zach, you've seen anything. So it'll be interesting to see if that game could potentially decide who despite um bowling green being locked into the mac tourney if they end up getting the one spot yeah you're right and you know when you look at northern illinois schedule moving forward you know they have still there's been uh they still have like two other games uh that they had postponed that haven't been rescheduled yet uh the you know the 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 ohio game and then also at eastern michigan but you look at their schedule and there's just not a lot of room there, which we talked about. Like I mentioned earlier, they have back-to-back games on uh, Saturday and Sunday this weekend against Kent state. Then they play. Uh, so that's the 20th and the 21st they play. Then they play ball state on the 24th, Western Michigan on the 27th, uh, Eastern Michigan on March 3rd. So I guess maybe there's a couple days in there that they could be one of those games rescheduled. So yeah, you're right. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Uh, the battle at the top for the, you know, the first two seeds in the, on the women's side is going to be very interesting. I, I agree. And moving on to the men's side of things, we've got two games involving Miami. And despite them kind of having a strong, um, a strong, uh, strong stretch of games at times, they, they got two losses, which considering the opponents they played aren't the worst losses you could get. Yeah, I agree with you. Miami, uh, you know, they were in third place a couple weeks ago and they have, they've since lost uh, what five of six now. Um, to this week though, you're right, Sam, there's, there's no shame in losing to Akron and Toledo. Those are the two teams at the top of the conference. Um, so certainly a, a tough week for the Red Hawks, um, started out with, uh, the 83 76 loss at home to, uh, to Akron, which was on, uh, on, on Friday night, this past weekend, Miami, you know, they, they started out this game. They were up 40 to 37 at halftime offensively in the first half of this game, I'm not sure if you got a chance to watch Sam, but they, they looked about as good as they have looked on offense. Um, Mikhail Larry had himself quite a game for the Red Hawks, 24 points, eight for 14 from the field. But in the second half, um, they cooled off a little bit and Akron just kind of put the, the pedal to the floor. Something that I've noticed about Akron here recently, Sam, and I don't know if you've had the same observation, but they seem to be kind of a second half team. You know, in this game here against Miami, like I said, they're down 40 to 37 at halftime. They come out and, and outscore the Red Hawks by 10 in the second half. The other day, they're playing Northern Illinois at home. Obviously, you know, we've talked about the struggles that Northern Illinois has had this season. And, you know, they're sitting at one and eight in the conference. But in that game there, very similar situation. Northern Illinois is up 45 to 41 on the zips at halftime. And then Akron comes out in the second half and pulls away a little bit, but, you know, you know, bringing it back to this game, um, you know, Miami, even when they play well offensively, they're still, you know, they shoot 52% in this game, 89.5% from the free throw line. They get 19 free throws and they still can't find a way to win. They just, the offensive firepower for the Red Hawks just doesn't seem to be there. Yeah, it's it's night and day from one game where you're shooting really well to um, against Akron. You still lost, as you mentioned. And then going to um, Toledo, you shoot 38 percent from the field. And we talked about their struggles on offense all year. And maybe it was just a point in the season where they were just finding their groove, just hitting everything they can. And this is kind of showing their true colors, because I think enough of a sample size has shown that the Miami Ohio Redhawks offense just isn't there. They'll have their games like where they shoot 52%, but most of their games is going to be around 40 to 38%. They're just not a great offensive shooting team. So I think they, they need to do what they did against Western Michigan and kind of make the game an ugly game where yeah. they're, where they're just, on defense, they're just harassing the, the opponent to forcing them on an awful percentage because I think that's the key to the success because it doesn't look like they can really figure out their offense for more than one game. Yeah, and I think the issue offensively for the Red Hawks is, is the consistency, right? I mean, we've talked about kind of they have their quote-unquote big three. You got Makai Larry, uh, Day-Day Grant, and then Delonte Brown are the three guys that could kind of get a bucket for them on offense. I mentioned Makai Larry's performance against um, 
against Akron, 24 points, eight for 14 from the field. Day-Day Grant, though, not only nine points in the game. He only took six shots. And then Delonte Brown, same thing, only took six shots. He only had five points in the game. And then you look at the Toledo game, Delonte Brown has 21 points. Day-Day Grant has 17, but Makai Larry only has eight. He goes three for nine from the field. So if your best scorers offensively can't consistently perform, um, that's kind of, that's a problem offensively. And I think that's a, where a lot of the issues for the Red Hawks start. Yeah. And if you're going to be Toledo, it's going to come on the offensive side of the board. They're yes. always going to get theirs. Even when they're missing their shots, they're going to still score 60, 70 points a game. And when they're hot, they're going to be scoring 80, 90 points. And that's what they did. I mean, you, you look at the vast difference. You mentioned the 21 points from day, day Brown and grant 38 points. No one else had above double digits. And then you compare it to Toledo. They had Shoemate who had 11. They had Rollins who had 12. Marion Jackson 18. Spencer Lillison 25. They had Kalen Saunders coming off the bench in 10. Yeah. It's just vast difference because you, you can see the difference why Toledo is so good and why Miami is kind of middle of the pack right now to to, to lower bottom. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. And um, to talk about Toledo for a second, a huge shout out to, to Marion Jackson here, the fourth triple double in the history of Toledo Rockets basketball uh, in this game against Miami, 18 points, 10 rebounds, 11 assists. As, as impressive as that is, Sam, I think the thing that might even be more impressive is that he did all of that. He only took 10 shots in this game, five for 10 from the field, three for six from the three point line five for six from the free throw line. So you get 18 points on only 10 shots, and then you throw in 10 rebounds and 11 assists on top of that. That is efficient basketball. That is winning basketball right there. I, I think that's why I like Marion Jackson so much. I mentioned him in the past. I even included him as one of my players of the week is because he does things at a high level without trying to force things. We see so many players in the Mac, especially try to force things. Like I mentioned, Justin Turner in the past, who's just kind of put things on his back and just tried to shoulder the weight. Marion Jackson is just doesn't care. He'll shoot 10 shots. He doesn't care. When Spencer Lillison is shooting 7 of 14 all day, you have Ryan Rollins who's shooting uh, 12 points. You have uh, Kalen Saunders coming off the bench, 2 of 5, 40% from three. You don't need to do a whole lot. And that's why I appreciate Marion Jackson is he's a leader, but he, he's a leader who can step aside and let the other, the other people shine, really. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, this is a guy that I, I could see him getting a look at the next level just because being a point guard that has great vision like he does, but also that can go underneath and, and get some rebounds for you. I mean, this guy averages five and a half rebounds a game. He's only six one. I'm not saying he'll for sure make it in the league, but I could certainly see him in an NBA training camp next year. He's he certainly has, uh, you know, earned all of the accolades that he's gotten this year. Definitely one of the best players in the conference. And he's, you know, he's, he's really fun to watch. And I hope um, that, well, I shouldn't say I hope, but I think, you know, if Toledo does win the, the Mac and make it to the NCAA tournament, it'll be really fun to watch this team play against some of the big boys. Yeah, I agree. And with that being said, before their uh, win against Miami, they had kind of a surprise upset, kind of two losses going to uh, losing against Ball State. Now a surprise loss against a team that was struggling in Bowling Green. Yeah, you know, Sam, we've we've talked so much these last couple of weeks about this, uh, you know, this quote unquote free fall that Bowling Green has been in. They lost seven straight. And we also have said that because of the amount of talent that, that this team has, if they can kind of find their mojo and get back on track, that we could certainly see them going on a run and there's no better team or no better way to do that than beating your main rival in their own gym. And that's exactly what the Falcons did. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Like I mentioned, they're coming off of a seven game losing streak. They're going into Toledo um, to uh, take on the first place team in the conference. They, uh, they got, come out with a victory 88 to 81. Uh, the Falcons knocked off the Rockets this past Saturday. Daquan plowed in a huge game. Uh, for the Falcons, 22 points, nine rebounds, seven for 10 from the field. Justin Turner with 21 points there as well. And, um, you know, in, like you mentioned earlier, Sam, 
if you're going to beat Toledo, you got to do it offensively. Toledo is always going to get theirs. They score 81 points in this game and you got to outscore them. And that's what the Falcons did here. They shoot 49% from the field. They hit 10 threes. They, you know, go 16 for 22 from the free throw line. That's the formula to do it. I think. Yeah. And I, and I think for Bowling Green, I've noticed a trend where, yes, Justin Turner's going to always get buckets. He, like in every win, every loss, he's going to get buckets no matter what. I think the one X factor that Bowling Green needs to realize is to put the ball in Caden Matheny's hand, the, the three-point shooter. I'm, I'm looking at their yeah. last three losses. Toledo, Caden Matheny had nine points, two points against Western Michigan, seven points against Kent State. And in their two wins – 21 against Ball State, which I went to, which was very disappointing. And then 14 points <laughs> against Toledo, where he shot 50% from the field. I I don't know any other way to put it than I think he's kind of your your answer, really, when he's going. Your team just really flows because he was hitting shot after shot against Ball State. We couldn't really stop his three-point shot. And then when we closed on the three-point shooter, he drove inside, he kicked, he found the open guy. And that's really the key to success because people know – and are going to try to defend Justin Turner. But if you have Caden Matheny on the side to shoot three-point shot, if you have Daquan Plowden at a productive percentage, there's nothing really stopping this Bowling Green team, and that's why we said yeah. they've got too much talent to just fall and keep falling. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And, you know, Sam, I think the thing with Caden Matheny is I think it's, it's, you know, we keep talking about consistency in this episode, and I think that's the thing that he struggles with. And I'm not saying I'm giving him a pass for that. I'm not giving him a pass for that, but this is a true freshman, right? This is a guy who's playing his, you know, his first year at a high one division, excuse me, high level division one basketball. I think with time, I think that consistency will develop. And this is a guy, this is a guy that's going to be a very good player for Bowling Green, but you're exactly right. I think whenever you have, you know, like you said, Justin Turner, always going to get his Daquan Plowden pretty much always going to get his. So if you have a third guy that you can depend upon to get a bucket that can kind of put your team over the top, I think Caden Matheny could eventually become that guy for Bowling Green, but you're right. Like you said, uh, some of these games here, you look over the last couple of weeks and in some of their losses, he didn't shoot the ball very well. And I think as he develops as a player and becomes more, you know, of a, of a, you know, a senior uh, player and, you know, continues to grow in his role, he'll get to that point. I agree. And before we move on to our players of the week, Zach, is there any um, games you want to touch on? No, I don't think so. I, I think we got to them all. I think the big story for me this week was uh, was obviously, you know, Bowling Green bouncing back a little bit. You briefly mentioned the uh, the, the Ball State game uh, the other night where, where you were at. I did want to ask you about that quickly. I mean, it seemed like Ball State hung with – they were, you know, they were right there with the, the Falcons through the first half, and then the second half it seemed like Bowling Green just kind of overwhelmed them. Yeah, kind of like we ta talked off air, it's it's the story of Ball State. It's they can hang around with people in the first half. That's not the issue. The issue is when it comes to the second half, they just seem to fall apart. And it's also where against a, a team like a Bowling or a team like Toledo where they made their money. So it seems like if the second half's really going well for Ball State, they're gonna really dominate. But if they don't, they're just gonna they're just gonna lose. And that's that's the frank of it because. These past few games, they've hung around with the the top dogs of uh, Bowling Green, of Toledo, of Buffalo, and then they just fall apart in the second half. And if you wanna if you wanna come play tournament time, even if you make it as an eight seed, you you can't you can't do stuff like that. Yeah, I hear you there, and I do. It does seem like consistency seems to be the the issue there, and kind of putting forty minutes together. Um, you know, over the course of the game real quick, Sam, if you don't mind, before we go into our players of the week, I did kind of just want to run down the standings real quick and talk about what our potential matchups would be um, for the conference tournament. Obviously we've been monitoring this every week. Um, so I'll just go through this on the men's side real quick. Uh, your Cardinals right now sit in eighth place. They are tied with Miami, uh, but Miami uh, in se seventh with the tiebreaker of the overall record. So if we started today, ball state would be taking on Toledo. Uh, the seven seed Miami would be taken on Akron. The three six matchup would be Kent State and Bowling Green. And then you'd have the four five matchup of Ohio and Buffalo. I think that would be a great game right there. Two teams that are playing really well right now. Ohio's won four in a row. Buffalo has won three in a row. And then on the women's side, um, you got Kent State, which has fallen all the way back to eighth. Um, they're tied with uh, Eastern Michigan, both sitting at six and four. But right now, if the conference tournament started on the women's side, we'd have Kent State and Bowling Green as the one eight matchup. Northern Illinois, Eastern Michigan as the two seven. 
Central Michigan Ball State as the 3-6. And then how about uh, Ohio and Buffalo again as the 4-5 matchup there? So we're going to be monitoring that here over the next couple of weeks. But even right now, Sam, a lot of great potential matchups there in that group. Yeah, I, I think for me, the one game on the mids I would look forward to is definitely that, that Kent State Bowling Green matchup because I think they're, yeah. they're both really good teams. They have a lot of talent on their issue. It's just Bowling Green, if they can continue to find their stride, they're going to be really hot. And then Kent State, we've talked about Denny Pippen. We've talked about all the, the talent on that team. So that's the, the game on the mids I'm looking forward to for the women's. I'm going to go with Ohio Buffalo. I think I think that would be a really fun matchup to watch. Really, uh, CC Hooks uh, versus Daisha Fair, essentially. Uh, I'm not sure where, whether, uh, Zach, you could correct me if I'm wrong, if Erica Johnson is back yet. You know what I haven't seen? I don't think she is, though, no. So so without her, it's basically just a 1v1, one, one one, and I would just be excited to see that. I think that will be a really close matchup to, to keep an eye on. Yeah, I agree, and I, I do agree with you. I think that that Buffalo-Ohio matchup on the women's side is the one to, to really look forward to. I think Buffalo-Ohio on the men's side is, is a great matchup as well. Got uh, two of the maybe the best big men in the conference, Josh and Ball from Buffalo and Dwight Wilson from Ohio going at it. Um, but I also agree with you, Sam, that I think Bowling Green and, and Kent State would be a great potential matchup. If, I, if I'm you know a team in the conference going into the conference tournament, I do not want anything to do with Bowling Green. You know, they're a team that if they can get some momentum going into the tournament, they, they can certainly beat anybody. They have a couple big games here over the next couple of weeks, uh, which, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a few of them here in a couple minutes when we look at the week ahead. But uh, yeah, if, if Bowling Green can even move up to like the five seed or whatever the case may be, wherever they end up, they're going to be dangerous. Yeah, I agree. And uh, Zach, uh, we get, we've got, we've got two Bowling Green teammates to talk about on the men's side. Who's your uh, player of the week? Yeah, you know, I went with Dequan Plowden this week, which, uh, you know, it might be the obvious choice, but, I, you know, I don't think it can really be emphasized enough how badly Bowling Green needed a win. You know, this was a team that was picked to win the conference at the beginning of the year. They started off 5-0, and and then, you know, they most recently they were coming off that seven-game losing streak. So um, not only do they get a win, but they do it at Toledo, knock off their main rival, Um Plowden led the way, 22 points, nine rebounds, seven for 10 from the field. He made multiple big plays down the stretch. Uh, you know, Leo came back and, you know, they tied this game. Then over the last eight minutes of the game, Plowden made a couple big buckets to help kind of pull away for the Falcons and kind of seal the deal. You know, he's stepping up when he needed to. That's what seniors do. And, um, you know, I was, I was happy to see that for him. And it was, you know, like I said, a huge win for, uh, for the Falcons. And obviously they have a little bit of momentum now. They, they followed that up with a win at Ball State the other day. So it seems like the Falcons might be heading in the back in the right direction. I think Daquan Plowden's a, a big reason for it. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm going with his teammate. I'm going with Justin Turner. I've been critical of him for not really – for basically forcing the thing. And I think I'm still seeing that, but I think I'm seeing less of that. And I think Ball State, if he uses what he learned from that game and uses it forward, he, he that, that team is going to be dominant because maybe he's not assisting the ball, but he can still get his at a high level because he shot 27 seven points on – on not just 50% shooting, on a ridiculous 64% shooting, back-to-back -back games of 20 plus three of the past five has been above um, 20. I just want him to see consistently shoot at a high level above 50%. If he can figure that out without forcing the ball like he has in the past where he just shoots like 30, 20% from the field, like uh, the Toledo game. Yeah. Um, like, like about a two or two weeks ago where he shot 27%, 11 points. If, if he can figure out he's going to be a real leader for that team, and I think that that Ball State game is very key for him to get things going moving forward. Yeah, I agree, and I think the big thing for him and, and for Bowling Green just in general right now is, is just confidence level, right? It felt like during that losing streak, it felt like they lost confidence as a team, and it seemed like there were times where Justin Turner was kind of trying to force things and trying to do too much, and if they can get back to you know playing loose and playing free and kind of letting the game come to them, like I said, they're going to be a problem come conference tournament time. I agree. And Zach, uh, who do you have on the women's side of things? Yeah, you know what? I, I mentioned her earlier uh, briefly when we were talking about Northern Illinois, but I went with uh, sophomore forward Aja Davis from, from NIU. 
Um, she led the Huskies to a big win over Buffalo on Saturday. I mentioned it briefly, 17 points, 19 rebounds for Davis in this game, seven for nine from the free throw line. And I tell you what, Sam, this is a team along with Bowling Green, like I said, not only are they exceeding expectations this year, but they're young. Uh, Davis is second on the team with 10 points per game and first in rebounds with 8.1 leading scorer Shelby Coker is also a sophomore. So your two best players in DeKalb are both sophomores and you're at nine and three this year, sitting in second place in the conference. Northern Illinois is going to be a problem for the next couple of years in this conference. If they can continue to develop the way they've played this year. Yeah, I agree. Northern Illinois is getting hot at the right time. They're a young team, as you mentioned, She's only a sophomore. She can only grow from there. It's going to be exciting to see. I went with the obvious choice in the women's side of things. The the player who won the MAC Women's Player of the Week, I went with Michaela Kelly. She was just flat out just too dominant, not to mention her. Back-to-back games of not just one game, but back-to-back games of 30-plus against Miami, Ohio, Kent State. She's averaging 23 on the season. She's the dominant force. She's the reason – she's basically the main reason why Central Michigan is at this point uh, having clinched a spot in the the MAC tournament because they had their struggles early in the season, but they've turned around, and a big reason why is Michaela Kelly. Yeah, I can't argue with you on this one, Sam. I mean, not only did you, like you mentioned, average in over 30 points a game for this week, but 63% from the field, 60% from three-point land over that span. I mean, that's you, you can't stop that. If you're the opposing team, there's nothing you can do there. And so, yeah, she, she certainly deserved the player of the week here, but both from the conference and from yourself. And, uh, you know, if, if Central Michigan's going to win the conference again this year and get back to the tournament, she's going to be a big reason why. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, Zach, we've got we've got hopefully some games to watch this week if they don't get uh, postponed. What, are, <laughs> yeah. what game are you looking forward to? You know, a, a couple games on the men's side that I'm looking forward to um, tomorrow night, Friday night, uh, a, a rare ESPN national te- nationally televised game for the conference. You got Toledo going up to Buffalo to take on the Bulls. I think Marion Jackson and company are, are hungry. Um, to uh, to knock off Buffalo and kind of continue. You know, they, they, they lost a couple games in a row, got back on the right track with that Miami game the other night. I think they're eager to show themselves off to a national television audience. And um, I also think on Saturday, we got Ohio at Bowling Green. Um, Bowling Green uh, knocked off Ohio in Athens earlier this season. Ohio might be a little bit revenge-minded, but we also just talked about how Bowling Green seems to be rolling again. So I'm really looking forward to both of those games. Yeah, I, I one quick thing on the Ohio Bowling Green game. I'm excited to watch Ohio because it's been a minute since we've watched this team. They've had four yeah. games postponed um, since they last played against Central Michigan when they got the win. Back-to-back games, and I'll include this as my game game to watch this week on the men's side thing. Akron at Ohio. I'm excited. Two big games for Ohio. Slowly getting off, basically a, a kind of rough pat, rough patches. What I assume is going to happen for Ohio, but who knows? They could bounce back, not have any rust whatsoever. Those are those are the two games I'm looking forward to on the men's side of things, and then on the women's side of things, I'm excited for what game? I'm I'm excited for um, Buffalo at Ball State. I think this is going to be a really good game. I like the one v one. We we obviously talk we obviously talked about. Um, uh, Ashlyn Brown getting 1.1,000 1, points, 1,000 rebounds. And then I'm excited to watch Daisha Fair go head-to-head on what day is that? That's Saturday. Big weekend matchup for the MAC. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I think on the women's side, I'm I'm really curious to see how this, this back-to-back plays out between Kent State and Northern Illinois. So I mentioned it earlier in the show when we were talking about rescheduling games. This is not something I have ever seen in college basketball where two teams are going to play each other on consecutive days in the same location, right? Obviously, in a normal year, each one of these teams would have one home game to balance it out. But because of, you know, the limited time we have left to get all these games in, both of these games are going to be played in DeKalb. You're kind of drawing the short end of the stick there if you're the Golden Flashes, especially, you know, you like to get a home game after losing three in a row here over the last couple of weeks. Not a good time to play Northern Illinois either, as they've won nine of 10. You know, I mentioned Aja Davis, Shelby Coker. I really want to see how uh, Northern Illinois acquits themselves this weekend. We talked about how they, they can still catch Bowling Green for the one seed. You win both of these games here this weekend, all of a sudden you're sitting at 11 and three, and you're right there in the thick of things. 
Yeah, and this is a big kind of um, what would you what would you even call it? like back to back day game? Like what would yeah yeah double, kind of double a, header right? Don't they? Yeah, double that? header. Yeah, you could call it double header. Yeah, yeah. I think this is a big game. You talk about Northern Illinois being hot at the right time. We talk about how Kent State's kind of fallen off the the course of things after having a really hot start and then kind of falling apart. So this is a big series for Kent State. I think they need to win at least one of these two, if not both. To, to remain in contention because if they keep sliding, maybe they'll get the eighth seed, but you definitely don't want to play Bowling Green where like you're playing so far. I agree. I think if I'm a Kent, if I'm a Kent State fan, uh, I, I need one win this weekend. Absolutely. I don't know how likely that is because of how well Northern Illinois is playing. It seems like these two teams are kind of trending in opposite directions, but we'll see what the Golden Flashes have in store for us this weekend. And then so Zach, uh, also Sam, Oh, yeah. oh sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go uh, ahead. I was just going to say one other game I wanted to touch on on the women's side, Bowling Green at Ohio uh, next week on Wednesday. Another one, two teams at the top of the conference. I think Ohio um, really looking to kind of, you know, they're sitting at 10 and five right now. If they want to make a move and, and up and try and get the two seed or the one seed, they're going to have to win this game. Uh, you know, they're only two games out of first right now. Obviously, you'd like to see Erica Johnson play if you're a Bobcats fan. We'll see if she makes it back in time for this game. But that's another, you know, that's uh, another high-profile matchup for me on the women's side this week. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun um, weekend this weekend sports. A lot of news uh, to touch on this uh, episode. So, Zach, before we wrap up this episode, is there anything final you want to touch on? No, I don't think so. I think we uh, we got it all. Um, you know, we're getting down to the wire here in hoop season. I'm excited to see how these last couple of weeks play out moving into the conference tournaments. I agree. It's slowly, slowly coming up on conference tournament season. We've already seen, as we've said, two game, two teams on each side, clinch a Mac tourney. There's going to be less and less spots as we get closer to Mac tourney. So if these teams want to make it to uh, what is it, Cleveland, Ohio for the Mac tournament, they're going to have to make some moves. So with that being said, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Mid-American Bandwagon Podcast, episode 33. I'm your host, Sam Thelman, for Zach Baldor. We'll catch you next Friday.